Well, we are, are glad to be able to um, talk about our faith in the midst of some uncertain times together. And I realize that one of the things that's challenging about speaking remotely to you is I can't see your reactions. I can't see your expressions. And, and even though in our weird kind of virtual world, you might be on, on Facebook watching us live and putting a little heart or a little thumbs up and it, it can float across the screen, but yet I'm, I'm talking to a room that's, that's not filled with, with your presence. And so it's hard to know what's going on in your life, what's going on in our community's life, uh, unless we, we pick up the phone, we call, and we talk to each other. And so I, I want to admit and I want to give some permission that we can be watching uh, today's worship service in a very different place. Like we can be in a place of joy. Now, we have people that, whether they've just had you know, the recent birth of a child or, or someone who's pregnant and they're about to have a child, and they don't need to feel guilty about celebrating that they have new life, celebrating that they have joy, that they're excited about what God is doing in their life. We've got people, I'm sure, who are, are seniors in high school and seniors in college who are, you know, looking forward to, to whatever that next phase of their life is and, and feeling confident and celebratory about what they've accomplished uh, at their time in school. We've got people who have all sorts of things that they could be excited and celebrate about. And so you might be watching today with joy, wanting to thank God for some, some great things. But you might also be watching and you might be experiencing pain. You might be suffering, you might be grieving uh, for either yourself and whatever pain you're feeling or for those around you. And so there are people who are, are facing all sorts of pain, all sorts of grief, all sorts of sadness. And we want to name the fact that, that it is okay to enter into this worship time, to enter into this message from very different vantage points. But I want to, I want to say that today while talking about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, we are going to be talking especially to those who are in pain especially to those who are struggling, who are suffering, who are in agony, and who might find some little bit of comfort, a little bit of hope, a little bit of faith in watching and reading and, and thinking through the story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and I want to point out that even if we are talking to those who are suffering and those who are grieving, and, and you might be in a place of joy we all have to learn how to talk to people who are grieving, and we know it's sometimes uncomfortable and it's, it can be challenging. Uh, but we are all grief adjacent right now. Even if you aren't struggling, there are people in this world who are, are in pain. And so we need to learn how to understand how our faith speaks in the midst of pain and in the midst of grief. And so we are talking about the story of Jesus and, and in Gethsemane. And I need to point out that some of our grief has a unique angle in this moment. Because you might not be sick. You might not have lost your job, though many have. But there's still a sense of loss. And we're all experiencing what some people call anticipatory grief. It's this grief of of some, something in the future, there's, there's a loss, there's, there's an emptiness, there's an uncertainty, and it's looming over us, and we're, we, we know that, that pain and grief is coming, 
And so we're already experiencing the grief of the loss of the world that we knew uh, that might only temporarily be gone, but certain parts of our world we recognize are going to be forever different. And so some of us are, are struggling with health or the fear of potential health problems, whether that's for ourselves or for those that we care about. There are people who are struggling with being laid off from work or, or even just not being at work and, and not knowing about where the next paycheck is coming from. There are people who their life career, their goal, their like dream job uh, has fallen through. And so they're, they're mourning the loss of that life that they had, that they expected, that they dreamed about. And so there is a lot of emotional pain uh, and uncertainty in the air. And so we want to name that. And I want to first just kind of invite you to, to think, not just right now, but, but including right now, are you in any sort of pain? Do you feel tension? Do your, does your neck hurt? Does your shoulders hurt? Does your chest feel tight? This is a time when we need to be paying attention to our bodies, paying attention to our emotions, our feelings, and realizing when there's something that's a little bit off. Sometimes our body gives us a little warning message that says, hey, I think you should take a break. You might just need to get away. You might need to relax. You might need to go take a nap. You might need to go for a walk. You might need to eat something. And I, and I hope that you are paying attention to your, your bodies, your whole, your whole selves in this moment. And so I want to point out that we are not alone in the feelings of grief and anticipation of grief because we have this great story of Jesus in Gethsemane anticipating the pain and, and the struggle that was ahead. And so Jesus modeled what it might look like to live well in the midst of this anticipatory grief. And so where are we in the story of Jesus' life? Uh, in this story, it's the night before Jesus uh, is crucified. And he had just been with his disciples and they had just shared his last meal with them. And he had told them that one of you will betray me. And all of them looked around and like, surely not me, right? And so Judas had ran out, and Jesus knows that, Jesus, that Judas is, is going to authorities to have him arrested. And, and Jesus talks to his disciples, and he tells them, all of you are going to scatter. There's not going to be anybody who stays with me. I'm going to be alone here. And Peter, of course, is like, hey, wait a minute. I will be with you. I will never leave you. And Jesus has to help him know that, you know, you're going to deny me three times. And so Jesus is in the midst of that grief of knowing pain is coming and knowing that loss and separation from his friends is coming. And he goes and he does something very unique that night. He goes to a place called Gethsemane. And Matthew tells us that he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. So he's got his disciples with him, and, and he brings them along, and he says, okay, wait here. I'm going to go over there, and I'm going to pray. And, and I'm curious, while you are in, maybe you're in Michigan, and you're in a shutdown and kind of a stay-home order like we are, where is your place of prayer? You know, where do you go to to talk with God? Because 
many of us have a lot more time for that right now. And many of us are experiencing emotions and feelings and thoughts that we need to be going to God right now. And so where is that place? Is it, you know, that basement office that's finally getting set up for you? You know, is it out on that patio outside? Is it watching the birds while you're seated out on your patio? Is it a little corner in your living room? Like, where is that place of prayer for you? Find a place, make a space uh, where you can go to God in prayer. And so Jesus makes a space for himself. And it says that in Matthew that he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be grieved and agitated. And he said to them, I am deeply grieved even to death. Remain here and stay awake with me. And so I, I love that this, this image of Jesus, he goes and he brings his disciples and he says, hey, i got to go pray over there. And then he has a kind of a closer inner group and he says, hey, come with me um, a little further. And there's that inner circle that, that can pray for you and support you. And he says, I am deeply grieved. Please pray for me. And we all need that inner group. And I, and I want to ask, who is that inner group for you? Who are those friends, those family members, those loved ones that you can bring a little further on the journey, a little bit more truthful, a little bit more honesty of here's what I'm feeling with right now. Here's what I'm feeling. Here's, you know, I am deeply grieved and I need you to know that and I need you to pray with me about that. Who who are those people in your life? You know, who is your James, your your John, your your Peter that you you can go and you can ask for prayer from? And and maybe you have those people, and maybe they, they aren't living up to that prayer group that you would like them to be, because uh, Jesus had that same experience. You know, you can invite people into prayer with you, but you can't control how they're going to be in that, in that moment. You can't control how supportive they will be. And so Jesus invites them um, to pray for him. And remember, he had just told them that they were going to desert him, and Peter's like, no, never, I'm not doing that. And here they already are failing at holding him up in this moment when he really needs them. And so the disciples keep falling asleep all throughout the night. And I think part of that is they are not experiencing that grief and that agony Jesus is saying that he's going through. And if they feel it as truly as he's feeling it, they would be up in the night. They would be praying with him, but they keep falling asleep. And so Jesus goes away and prays and he keeps coming back. And and the first time he pleads with them saying, stay awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so Jesus goes to pray again and he comes back and they're asleep again. And it says that Jesus found them asleep with heavy eyes. And I really know what heavy eyes look like in this moment. Um, With a little toddler at home, you know, they can't help but express their emotion on their face. And when they just get tired and they just can't stay awake and, and they just are fighting it and you can see that sleep is coming. And, and it's the cutest thing when it's happening right next to you and it's falling asleep on you. But we all experience that tiredness. And maybe you feel exhausted right now. And maybe you know you're supposed to be praying for someone and supporting someone, but it's hard. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so we have that temptation to just fall asleep, to not support each other. 
And so in the midst of the failures of his friends, Jesus keeps going back to God with authentic prayer. And, and you can't control what other people are doing, but you can control going to God. You know, you can go and pray no matter what else is going on in your life. And Jesus goes to God in prayer, and Matthew says that he says, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. And he keeps praying, and he's going to have more to say. But we shouldn't miss that Jesus himself can pray and be in agony and in pain and asking God, can this cup pass for me? Like, do I have to accept and endure what's coming next? That anticipation of grief is painful. And while we're all anticipating some grief right now in different ways, I have to admit that the time that this story was most real for me wasn't when it was anticipated grief, but when it was delayed grief. Uh, I've, I've shared on some occasions with you that uh, when I was 10 years old, my dad passed away of stage four colon cancer. And being 10, you don't really know what to do with that, how to process that, how to experience it. And we've got kids watching the news. We've got kids not going to school who also really don't know how to process what's going on in this world right now. And as a 10-year-old, you know, I didn't know how to process it. And so it wasn't probably until I was in eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, that all of the pain, all of that frustration had built up and that delayed grief finally looked for a place to get out. And so I know that looking back on my life, that, that I looked for relationships, I looked for personal connection, for, for closeness, sometimes in really healthy ways, sometimes in really unhealthy ways. Uh, but all it is is that longing for that connection, that relationship. And so in the midst of that struggle, when that pain, that grief was, was real, I really struggled with God. I, I wrestled with God. I was like, God, why did any of this happen? Why would you take my dad? Why would, you, why would this happen? Why, how could you allow this? Where were you? And there's people crying that out right now. You know, that's part of the pain of this moment. You know, going on, and you can see on YouTube, you can see videos of doctors in Italy, you know, and you can see doctors saying, how am I supposed to tell my patient that they might die alone? That we're quarantining everybody off and they might pass without anybody present with them. And that pain is, is real. And, and whether we are going through it ourselves, whether it's somebody we know or, or hear about, whether it's that anticipated grief that might still be on the horizon, you might have that feeling of wanting to shout out, God, where are you? And the thing that I was learning as I grew up and as I was going you know, th through my teenage years and, and wrestling with God was that I had a notion of God that God was distant. And it's a very Western picture God's up high somewhere. God's a judge. God's only there to deliberate, are you good or evil? Are you innocent or guilty? And God is just going to pass judgment from on high. Where are you? Where were you? Why were you so distant? One of the good news of the gospel is 
God is right there with you. God is very, very strong and is not fragile. You can shout at God. You can be frustrated with God. You can be angry with God. God can handle it. Don't be afraid of being authentic, of being real, being yourself, being, being your honest self, both with yourself and with God. And I think about you know, how we think that God is fragile. Maybe I can't ask this question. And for whatever reason in our house right now, it feels like everything keeps breaking. And it's not even our kids' fault. I'd like to blame it on them. But everything, like, you know, you're putting dishes in the dishwasher and I put this glass next to another glass and it doesn't just quite fit and then shatters. Why? You know, and we ran our dishwasher and it had run through the cycle and it had dried everything out and things were still a little bit warm. And so my wife grabs this glass out of the dishwasher that's clean and goes and pours some of our nice, clean water purified water out of the fridge shatter the bottom of the glass just drops right out not even like sharp edges just gone and it's just broken and even the things that don't break in our house we're still worried about them breaking as our our little ones are running around testing things out but God is not fragile God can handle any question you ask God can handle your emotions your pains your joys and so prayer like Jesus is where we go to God and we say, God, can I not take this cup? Can I drink something else? Can I do something else here? That is so real and so needed. We need to be able to express when that's where we're at. And so God is, is not fragile. We can say that. We can have that question. We can ask God um, and celebrate God. We can do everything um, not in fear that God is going to judge us and belittle us, but know that God is there to hear and to sit with and to listen. And so we talked at the beginning of this message that you might be here in joyful times. You might have just had a baby. You might have, you know, be getting married and trying to figure out the logistics of weddings, but you might be in celebration mode. God can handle whatever party celebration you want to have with God. And you might be in the depths of despair and grief, and God can handle the pain and the grief and the questions there too. And so, where is God in the midst of this health crisis? Where is God in the midst of, of, of the death and, and the job loss and the pain? The good news is that God is very, very close and very present, that God is the one on the deathbed, God isn't just gone, but the story of Jesus is that Jesus goes to a cross. That God identifies with the suffering and with those who are dying. God is there in the midst of the pain and the despair. God is in that room. Even if we are physically not with those who are dying, God is there knowing what that pain is and aching and, and grieving the loss with us. But God is also in the room with the helpers, with the doctors, with the nurses, with the scientists, you know, frantically trying to do research to find cures. God's with, you know, industry people who are suddenly pivoting and trying to make ventilators and make parts to help people stay safe. God is in the midst of trying to heal and trying to fix 
and trying to mend everything that is broken. God is not out far away, not paying attention. God is in the midst of all of this suffering and in the midst of all the trying to heal and trying to mend. And God can handle the trying time, the painful time that we're in. And so part of the faith journey that we're on is to learn that whatever you're feeling, if you're feeling numb, if you're feeling pain, if you're feeling joy, whatever it is, take that to God and, and take that, that as a part of your journey, learn from it, grow from it, grow closer to God no matter what you're going through. And so in this story, Jesus is in a place of grief and agony, and he doesn't end there. You know, both long-term, Resurrection Sunday is still coming, but also in the midst of this prayer, he doesn't just end in, I don't want this to happen to me. I don't want to go through this. Is there another way? He also invites God to rule, to reign. He submits and asks and says, God, whatever your will is, let your will be done. And so Matthew says that Jesus, you know, again goes to pray and, and he comes back and he says, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink of it, your will be done. And then he goes away and he checks on the disciples and he comes back and it says that he went away and he prayed saying the same words. And I love Matthew doing that of, hey, he's still praying the same prayer. And maybe you're in that spot. One prayer isn't enough. Keep going to that same prayer. Keep, as long as that feeling is there, as long as that, that hunger for, for God or that question or that pain, keep going back to God in that prayer. It's okay to keep praying the same thing. But it keeps ending with, God, your will be done. And what that means is that, that Jesus trusts that the Father has a plan, that the Father has redemption and, and life, that God will work in the midst of this moment, even when I can't see it, even when I don't understand it. And so it's okay to be uncertain, to be anxious, to be un unclear, and to bring that into prayer with God and say, no matter what, though, at the end of the day, I trust you. I will do whatever you ask of me to do. And so in the midst of this moment on a very small scale, for some of us that trust is, I don't understand viruses, I don't understand economic situations, but you know, if my health professionals say, I gotta stay away from people, I'm gonna trust that they know what's best for us and I'm gonna, I'm gonna go separate myself and hope that this saves some lives. And in a much bigger way, the trust is that God can take all of your life and use it to bring about God's kingdom and that God's love might, might shine through you? Do we trust God enough to let our whole lives, our whole selves be turned over to God, even when we're unsure, even if we don't have the answers to the questions? And so I just want to leave you with, with this, this thought and these words. You can anticipate with anxiety, or you can prepare with prayer. It's really easy to be anxious. It's really easy to anticipate all of the worst case scenarios. 
Take advantage of this moment. Take advantage of this time where you can go to God in prayer with whatever you need to pray for. And so in the midst of our collective grief, can we offer up collective prayer for one another? Can we be honest about our feelings? Can we be honest with, with, with ourselves to ourselves? Can we be honest with ourselves to God? And I know that grief can be uncomfortable, both our own grief and those around us. But can we be models of, of how to live this out well? While the disciples failed Jesus that night and didn't stay awake and couldn't pray for him and, and, and they struggled, can we be that prayer support for those who are in need? And I just want to ask us in this time, can we accept this faith journey? Can we take this cup that God offers us? You know, we didn't get to choose the circumstances given to us, but these are the ones that are given. And so when we live out a life of prayer, will we be able to make decisions of faith and not decisions based on fear? Would you join me in prayer? God, you know, I, I can't help but grieve the loss of the closeness of those uh, who, are, who we are used to being close to. People that we love to see, that we, we love shaking their hand at the door and giving this person a hug, and we can't right now, and we grieve that loss. Lord, we, we know that there's so much that people are struggling through, looking at their bank accounts, looking, at, uh, looking for new jobs. We know that people are going through so much right now, and we just want to lift up those prayers. We want to give over that, that heaviness, that weight, that thing that brings us to the ground. And we want to just lay them at your feet and say, I don't know the answer to what's going on, but I know you are with me right now, and I trust you, and I want to work with you, Lord, and just help me to, to live out my faith as you call me to live it out. I trust that you have something that I can do to heal the world around me, to uplift it, and I ask that you might reveal that to me. And Lord, in the midst of all of this, we just want to be able to submit at the end of the day and, and, and call you Lord. And I ask that you would give us courage and faith to do that against the temptations that, that invite us to live out of fear. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.